I just want to bring a short thought to you tonight before we pray. I hope I can make it short. It's going to be a little quick Bible study with you. And the subject is wisdom. In my morning Bible study the other day, I was reading, and the Lord spoke to my heart out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, the third chapter. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you more right now for the fact that the Holy Spirit makes the word real to us, shows us the truth of it, the life that's therein, and brings that life to us that the life of Christ will flow out through us. And we're asking right now that you will open our eyes and ears, spiritual eyes and ears of understanding, to see, to hear, to grasp, to be able to apply, and to make use of this truth tonight for Jesus' sake, and in his name we ask it. Amen. Proverbs 3, beginning with verse 19 out of the Living Bible. Have two goals. Solomon says, have two goals. Wisdom, that is, knowing and doing right. And second, common sense. Don't let them slip away, for they will fill you with living energy and are a feather in your cap. You ever heard that phrase before? They'll be a feather in your cap. They keep you safe from defeat and disaster and from stumbling off the trail. With them on guard, you can sleep without fear, and you need not be afraid of disaster or the plots of wicked men, for the Lord is with you. He protects you. Now, first of all, I just want us to take that first goal up there. It says, have two goals. The first one is wisdom, and then it explains what it is. That is knowing and doing right. Isn't that a simple explanation for wisdom? Knowing right and doing right. He said, that's wisdom. And I just want us to do a quick study to find, first of all, the beginning of wisdom. Turn to Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. Proverbs, the first chapter and verse 7, says in Psalms that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs 1 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the what? Beginning of knowledge. Turn on to Proverbs, the ninth chapter, and the tenth verse. It puts the both of them together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now, he says that the beginning of, the, of wisdom is knowledge. And here he says it's the knowledge of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You see? In the 10th verse. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. That brings understanding to us. Or wisdom. All right? Now, what is the result of wisdom? We're going to finally come to the conclusion of what wisdom really is to us. And why we have wisdom. But does wisdom have us? Proverbs, the 10th chapter, and the 8th verse talks about the results of having wisdom. It's something for us to desire. It says, the wise in heart will receive commandments. Now, does that remind you of any other verse in the Scripture? If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments, and they won't be grievous to you. Now, so what Jesus is actually saying there, if you're really wise, you'll keep my commandments. And here he says the wise in heart will receive commandments. 
They can be instructed. They can be directed. That's one of the first things to check on a person who says they're a Christian. Can they take commandments? Can they receive instruction? Some people are rebels at heart. You know, the Lord just spoke to me today. I said, Lord, why is it there's some people who profess to be Christians but aren't Christians that they so voraciously go after the word? And it's like he spoke to me. He said, generally speaking, that is a domineering or a controlling type of person. And in order for them to feel secure and safe in that position, they want to be able to get that scripture to lord it over the next person. Never to be put into place of defense or defensiveness. Now that was a surprise to me when, it, when that, that truth came to me. You know, there are a lot of people today that have gone through this and they make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ and they'll just devour and gobble down the word. And I thought, boy, is that a hunger for the word? And it's just as though the Lord spoke to me today and said, no, that is bringing themselves in a position where they can lord it over someone else or keep themselves from being on the defensive when it comes to the word. They will be able to control others with the word. And recently I talked to a Christian man and his wife that I led to the Lord. And there was a man that they knew that was, that very thing had happened. In fact, he came to an altar here and made a profession of faith. And he went out and taking the truth and saying, yes, I can see that's truth and we've got to separate and we can't live like this. As soon as he left here, he said, no. And he went off to other churches. And it wasn't very long before they said, he is devouring the word. And within the last two weeks, now this is just coming to me after thinking of what the Lord spoke to me about today. Two weeks ago, this same brother that I led to the Lord came to me and said, do you know what we found out? He gets people into his, brings him close to himself, and then he begins to take the word to control them. For example, he'll go to a rich man and say, I have a need, and if you're a Christian, you must help me in my need. You are not a Christian if you don't give me some money in my present need. Because here's what the word says, and he'll go into the word. And I thought, my... That's a totally different motive than what Jesus tells us here is supposed to be our motive for knowing the Word of God. It's to instruct us, not for us to put other people under bondage. But we're able to receive commandments. Proverbs, the 14th chapter, and the 6th verse. Let that get down in your spirit and think about it. The relationships that you might have with people who make that type of profession. And see if you don't find it's a domineering sort of a thing. Proverbs 14, 6. A scorner... Seeketh wisdom and findeth it not, but knowledge is easy to, unto him that understandeth, or to him that is wise. Knowledge is easy to him that is wise. If you want knowledge, if you want, what, what does the New Testament say? If any man lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God, who giveth to him liberally. Why? If he braideth not, if he receives it. And doesn't doubt, if he'll receive it, he can receive it. That's a wise person. That's seeking more wisdom. God can give it to him because he can receive commandments. He can receive instruction. He can receive understanding. But a scorner or a rebel will not receive it. All the way through Proverbs you find this continuously. Proverbs 15, 7. Here's one of the results of having wisdom. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. But the heart of the foolish doeth it not. Now you show me a wise person. A person who possesses wisdom. And usually, if you listen to them, you'll learn a lot. If you'll listen to them. They have a lot of common sense. The next thing is, Proverbs 18, 15. The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise, what? 
seeketh knowledge. You show me any person who is genuinely born again of the Spirit of God, Christ living in his heart, and Paul said one of the first signs that you'll have of a person being born again is that they, what, cry after the, what? Milk of the Word. Remember that? Paul says one of the indications of a person is really that they literally cry like a baby for the milk. Oh, give me word. Give me the word. Give me the word. I need knowledge. I need understanding. And after that keeps coming in and keeps coming in and keeps coming in, before long the cup gets full and begins to spill over on other people and knowledge goes back out. You see how it happens? Now that's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaketh. If you take in foolishness, if you take in immorality, if you take unrighteousness in, if you take in lies and gossip, when it comes out, that's all that comes out. But the righteous person or the wise person, first of all, his ear is listening for knowledge and understanding and wisdom. He wants more of it and he gets full of it so that when he speaks, what has to come out? Wisdom, see? That's why Jesus says it isn't that which goes into a man that corrupts him, it's that which comes out of a man. Because what comes out of him tells you what's in there. And he was talking about eating there. The Jews thought that a man could be defiled by what he ate. And Jesus said, no, it's not going to hurt him if he eats something. He'll discharge that. But you watch what comes out of a man's mouth because Proverbs tells us that it's by your words you're snared. Let me just tie something in here very quickly. Paul, in talking to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.15, we'll read verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee dumb. Is that what it says? Wise. From a child you've known the Scriptures and the Scriptures will make you wise. Do you want to be wise? Now what is wisdom? What did I tell you wisdom was? Knowing and doing right. And let me assure you, if you get the word of God down in your heart, you'll know what is right and you'll do what is right. This is why I tell parents, get the word into your children. You know, some parents come to church many times and leave their kids at home. Maybe Wednesday night. Maybe they'll go on Sunday morning and they let the kids stay home and watch television on Sunday night. They're going to pay a dear price someday for that. Some parents say, I'm having trouble with my child, but their children aren't in church. They ought to be under the hearing of the word every time they get a chance. You say, well, what if they don't listen? I don't care if they listen or not. It's going to get down into them. If it's around them, it's going to get into them. And when it gets into them, then the Holy Spirit's got something to work with because it's the word of God here. It says, from the child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So never expect your children to grow any deeper or any wider or any higher than the amount of the word that you get down into their spirits. I can still remember when we first came to this church and, and Bonnie Ayers used to come, she'd bring little old Lee and he was just a little tiny pea dad about that time and he'd stand up alongside of her and his head would come about to her shoulders. And some people probably say, well, why does she bring just a little baby like that? What good can that possibly do? And yet I would watch him, and before long he knew every chorus that we sang. In the Sunday school, he was giving all these different verses and learning all these different stories. Now he's got something down inside of him that just will not go away. Kenneth Copeland, 
The night that he got saved, he had been fighting against God all those years. The night he got saved, it was because he was sitting in a room by himself and all of a sudden the voice of a Sunday school teacher that taught him when he was a little boy told him that he needed to be born again. And to do it, he had to accept Jesus in his heart. Came back to him, see? Made him wise. Made him to understand and to do good. Wisdom. Now, that's the inward thing. Makes him want knowledge and give knowledge. But can you tell it when somebody's got wisdom? What's another indication of it? Ecclesiastes 8, and verse 1. Who is as the wise man, and who knoweth the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom maketh his what? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Isn't that something? You ever seen these people that go around with just kind of a, a glow on their face? They, know, they look like they know something you don't know. And you know why? Because they've got that confident assurance down inside. They might be in the middle of a storm, but they hear him saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. I'll never let you down. Though you stumble and fall, yet the everlasting arms are under you. And they have a shine about them, a glow about them. You know what I'm talking about? And the boldness of his face shall be changed. All right? Then another thing that happens when a person becomes wise, you know, I've, I've heard of some wiseacres. Have you ever heard of them? I'm not talking about that kind of a person. Wiseacres always got a smart remark to give back. But you show me a wise person that's truly wise, and I'll show you a very humble, a very gracious person. It's very easy for a great man to stoop down. It's very hard, someone said, for a, a little man to stoop down. And you'll see a lot of men that will go around and try to put on all this front of how big and how important they are. And you watch them before long, you can tell they're really nobody and they're trying to be somebody and impress you that they're somebody. If you want to see a great man, you find the man that knows what he is and knows his position and it doesn't bother him. One fellow said that he was the head of a large mission, worldwide mission. And he was in the headquarters one day. And no one else was around. They were trying to get some office work done. And someone said, oh, boy, the sewer's backed up. The line is clogged. And he went outside and got a shovel, put on some boots, and got down, dug a ditch, dug a big trench, got down there and was trying to straighten out the sewer pipe and clean it all out. And the man came around and said, I'm looking for such and such. I'm looking for the president of this mission. And he said, well, don't go any further. Here I am. And here this big aristocratic man up there looked down in the ditch like, don't tell me you'd do something like that. But you see, a great man can do these things, and he's always gracious. Getting low can actually make a guy go higher in God's sight. That's the principle of Christianity. You want to go high with God? He says, he that exalted himself shall be abased, but whoso humbleth himself shall be exalted. The world's idea is to step on everybody you possibly can, stomp them down, push them out of the way, get ahead. Jesus said, no. Take the back seat, and then somebody can come to you and say, hey, there's a better seat up here. You need to do this, and let others exalt you. Ecclesiastes 10:12. The words of a wise man's mouth are what? Are gracious. Are gracious. What's one of the fruits of the Spirit? Gentleness, meekness, long-suffering, very gracious person. Kind. Daniel 12:3. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. The wise person will turn people to righteousness. Now, James, the third chapter, tells us just a little bit about that wisdom that comes from Jesus Christ. We're talking about true godly wisdom now. 
James 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from where? From above is first pure. Now what is wisdom? Knowing and doing right. And if we have wisdom that's from above, it is first pure. It's got to be pure. Some people say they've gotten wisdom from God and their lives have never been pure. They've never repented and changed their lifestyle. And if we have divine wisdom, then we're going to see purity in our lives. Pure, then peaceable, gentle. Wisdom that's from above, to know right and to do it, says it's easily entreated, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, and can I put in there bigotry, without racism, and without hypocrisy. I just want to say to you that if you're speaking God's wisdom, you're never a hypocrite. For example, last night at 10 o'clock, about 10.15, I was healed of this condition in my chest and my nasal passages. Somebody says, well, you're not healed, I hear it. I don't care what the symptoms are. Upon the authority of God's word, they have laid hands on me and anointed me with oil last night at about 10 something. And I tell all the angels of heaven and all the demons of hell and anyone else that wants to hear, I was healed last night at 10 o'clock. I was healed. Now you see symptoms, that doesn't make any difference. I was healed by the authority of God's word. You say that's hypocritical. No, it isn't, it's God's word. That's what it means. It says the wisdom that's from above is without hypocrisy. Because we believe in the things that we don't see in order that they can be so. We treat the things that are not as though they are in order that they can be. And I claim God's word that by his stripes I was healed. And I claim that healing. And Satan's a liar. Now that's without hypocrisy. You see, that's not natural. That's foolishness to the world. If a man were sitting here unregenerate, he'd say, see, they're crazy. They're absolutely nuts. But you see, that's why Jesus says he takes the wisdom of man and makes it look like foolishness because the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. True wisdom. Who's wise now? Matthew 7, verses 24 and 25. Therefore Jesus said, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, remember he can receive commandments. A wise person can receive commandments, can't he? Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and what? <laughs> there it is. Wisdom. What's wisdom? Knowing and doing truth. I talked to someone this morning that knows the truth, but's not willing to do it. I will do this, not that, no. I said, are you sure you're saved? Oh, yes, I, I'm a Christian. Well, then you'll obey God's word. Okay. I said, all right, God's word says this. Not that, no. I said, are you sure you're saved? He says, my sheep hear my voice and they obey me and they follow me. Now, Jesus didn't tell you that you could follow him down the trail you wanted to follow. He said you'll be obedient to him. And the final conclusion is, either you're lost or you're in for a beating, one of the two. And this person said, why do you always talk negatives? I said, I don't talk negatives. I positively believe that either you're lost or you're going to get spanked. Because that's what the word says. Every child of mine, every son of mine is going to receive what? Chastening. None of them are going to escape it. God is going to paddle us. If we're disobedient, he's going to paddle us. 
This person said, well, I don't need think that's necessary at all. I sit down and I talk with my child, and that's all I have to do. And I get more results that way. I said, what are you going to do if they don't obey when you talk? Well, we usually get results when we talk. I said, but what if you don't? Well, we usually do, and they wouldn't come to that conclusion. I said, that's exactly what the Word says. He said, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. God comes to you and says, uh-uh, that's sin. And if you see it and you say, God, I'm sorry, I don't want that in my life. I, I, I repent of that. Will you please forgive me? I, I really want to walk in obedience to you. He says, you won't get judged. But you stiffen your neck and he'll lay the rod to your back because you're a rebel now. And that's not using wisdom when you come against God. You know, you stop and think about it. There's nothing more ridiculous in the world for puny man created by God to double up his fist and say, try it. <laughs> to God. I'm not going to obey you. What you going to do about it? That is the ultimate of ignorance, to be able to come to that position. And yet there are those that say, yes, I'm a Christian, but God, don't you tell me to do that. You see, they're either lost or they're due for a good beating, one of the two. I positively believe that, so I'm not negative. He says, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Who builds his house upon a rock? A wise man. Who's a wise man? A wise man is the one who knows what is good and does it. If he does that, never will a storm knock the foundation out from under his house. Now, a foolish man is one who knows truth but doesn't do it. Now, if Earl Oakley were to have gone over here and built Brother Charlie's house and knew that he should put a foundation that was three feet wide under it and he put a six-inch foundation under it, he'd be a foolish man because sooner or later it would show up what he had done. He knew what was right and he didn't do it. And that's what Jesus is saying. A person who is wise knows what is right and he does what is right. And he never has to look back and remember what he did because it is always right. I've always said a liar has to be a man of the good memory. You've got to remember what you told him the last time. But if you always tell the truth, you never have to worry about what was said the last time. You just tell the truth again and it will never conflict. James, the third chapter again. We're jumping around a little bit here. James, the third chapter, tells who's wise. Verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? A wise man is someone who is endued with knowledge. What does it mean, endued with knowledge? Gifted with knowledge, isn't it? Has the ability to use what he has. Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Uh, you see, it says again here, if you're wise, you're meek. Why can you afford to be meek if you're wise? Someone told me one time, the weaker a man's argument, the louder his voice gets. You ever gotten into a screaming match with someone? <laughs> I thank God that I won the battle because when I talk to anyone about, about the subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage, I don't have to yell at all anymore. And I've had them scream right in my face. And I can stand there and just smile at them. And say, you know something, I really love you, and I, I really feel the pain that you feel, and I feel the hurt that you feel. And I understand why you want to take it out on me. I love you. And say anything you want to say to me, but just know that I, I didn't preach this sermon because I wanted to preach this sermon. I preached it because God made me preach it. And I struggled with the Lord for a loophole and an out for two years, and He wouldn't give it to me. And so I preached it, and if it hurts you and if it offends you, I really am sorry. But if it's truth, then it's necessary for me to give it to you, and I have to give it to you in love. And I don't have to stand and say, who do you think you are telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about? Who do you think you are telling me that that's a bunch of garbage that I preached? 
Who do you think? I don't need to do that. Say, why? Because I am confident of one thing, that what I brought forth was from the Word. And a wise person will know what the truth is and do that truth, and God will honor him for it. 1 Corinthians, here's the, here's the key to the whole thing. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, what? Wisdom. Who's made unto us wisdom? Jesus Christ. And righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now let's just take those four words for a second. First of all, if he's made unto us wisdom, that means that when Jesus Christ comes in by the Holy Spirit in our lives, he shows us what is right, and if we're saved, we'll do it. If we know what is right from the word and have that wisdom, when we do it, then the next thing is automatic. It's righteous, isn't it? See, without righteousness, no man shall see the Lord. That's what it says. And Jesus Christ shows us what is right. Now, some people say there are absolutely no absolutes today in the world. <laughs> that's, that's really some statement. There are absolutely no absolutes in this world today. And that's what Francis Schaeffer was talking about, that there was nothing absolute. Well, the whole argument comes into a, a bunch of nothing when you're finalized, when you finalize it. There are absolutes, and God says, these are my absolutes, and they are truth. And if you'll receive them and take these commandments and receive them and do them, then you'll have wisdom, and it'll end up in righteousness. And when you're righteous, I can set you aside for a special purpose, and I'll be made unto you sanctification. What's sanctification? Being set aside for a special purpose, isn't it? When we're righteous, when we walk with the Lord and know what's right and do what's right, he said, if you'll flee all these things and if you'll not do all these things and if you'll be what God wants you to be, Paul said, then you'll be a vessel unto honor. God will use you as a vessel unto honor. But if you don't, he might use you for a spit tune. He didn't know, is he? That's what he's saying. Some are used to carry out the garbage in and others are gold and silver precious vessels. We determine what God's going to use us as, as a vessel by whether or not we have wisdom when we receive Him and make Him Lord. We know the truth. We do the truth. Consequently, our lives are righteous. Consequently, God can sanctify us and set aside for a special purpose. And consequently, we live in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Our redemption is completed when He calls us home. Positionally, we're already in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The redemption is finalized. All we have to do is move there when we die physically. We're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, if we possess Jesus Christ, we possess wisdom, right? Know what it says? He's made unto us wisdom. Now, here's the kink in the thing that many people miss. If we possess Christ, we possess wisdom. If Christ possesses us, we emanate or we display wisdom. Am I right? Why? If he possesses us, it's his wisdom, it's his knowledge, it's his holiness, it's his righteousness, it's his sanctification, it's his power, it's his love flowing through us. The fruit of the man? No, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness, long-suffering, all these things. Is that natural for us to do? No. It's when Jesus Christ, our made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, justification, all the, when he's all these things to us and he's in possession of us, then that fruit flows forth because it comes from him. Who's a wise man? He that knows truth and does it. Who has wisdom? He who has Jesus Christ. You see, we can't know what truth is until we know Jesus Christ. It says the, the natural man perceiveth not the things of God because he's, they're spiritually discerned. 
How do we know what's the difference between truth and falsehood? Spirit of God. Because I don't know about you, but many, many times I come into a situation and all of a sudden, uh, it's like a little alarm goes off. What's the matter? Now, I never had that before I was a Christian. A little alarm goes off inside and I say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? Oh, there's something wrong here. I don't know if you ever see this Spider-Man in the funny papers. You ever read that? His something tingles every time he gets around danger. Uh, that's, that's what, I, I, the only way I can express it inside of me, a little alarm goes off when I'm around. The Spirit of God tries to warn me of something. Now that happens when He is in control. And if we, He possesses us, we display wisdom, we display knowledge, we display obedience. And what's the end result of it? I'll read it to you again out of Proverbs. It says, they keep you safe from defeat and disaster and from stumbling off the trail. What does? Wisdom. Jesus Christ possessing you keeps you from stumbling off the trail. When we're obedient and we take commandments, we listen to knowledge, we listen to understanding, we listen to wisdom, and we get that down in our spirits, and the Spirit of God takes that and uses it. It says then, with them on guard, what? Wisdom and common sense. There's some people who have a lot of understanding of God's Word, but they haven't got enough horse sense to know how to apply it in proper situation. But you have to ask God for wisdom and common sense. And what it goes on says, With them on guard you can sleep without fear, and you need not be afraid of disaster or the plots of wicked men, for the Lord is with you and He protects you. Who? The wise man who knows and does what's right and good things. Colossians 3.16 This is the command from the Lord. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom. What's wisdom? Knowing and doing right. That's how the Word of God can dwell richly in us, by taking it and applying it with common sense so that we display wisdom with Christ in the vessel and in charge. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. If, first of all, the Word of God is not dwelling richly in you and all wisdom to where you are hearing and knowing and obeying God's Word, it's impossible for you to teach and admonish someone else properly. But it says here, if you let it dwell richly in you in all wisdom, in other words, hearing it and obeying it, then you will be in a position to teach and admonish others with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Why can you sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord? Because you don't have to worry. The Lord is with you. With who? Those that hear His word and obey it. He's with them and He'll protect them. I don't know if you've ever read it. I've got this little devotional book called Words of Wisdom put out by the Billy Graham Association some years ago. It has all the Psalms and all the Proverbs in it. You read five Psalms and one proverb a day. And I don't know how many times I've gone through that. Billy Graham goes through it once a month. Once a month, all the Psalms and all the Proverbs. And I've tried to do that time and time again. And every time I go through, God gives me a new one that over and over and over and over again, it says that those that honor the Lord, He'll protect them. He'll deliver them out of all their troubles. Never will they be caught in the snare, but those that try to lay a snare for them, God will let them be caught in their own snare, and His person will be set free. What's He saying? If you do right, you know truth from the Word, and you do it. That's wisdom. And you do it with common sense with common sense, truth, then God will honor you and bless you. Now, if you see somebody that is not hearing the word and doing it, 
Mark it down, he's neither wise nor does he possess Jesus Christ in his life as Lord. And he said, he that saith that he's walking in the light and hates his brother. In another place he says, he that saith he is in the light and doeth not truth is a liar and the truth is not in him. So there are all sorts of measuring sticks to find out whether a person is genuinely saved or not. I'm not saying that every time a person disobeys the Lord, he's not saved. I'm saying you look at the bent of a person's heart. Present the word to them and see what they do with the word. Because a person born of the Spirit of God hungers for the word, hungers for knowledge, listens for knowledge, takes in knowledge, can receive commandments. That's what he said. They'll just receive it gladly. That's the way it ought to be. Yeah, at every level. I don't think that the pastor's way up here and he can never receive any correction or instruction in, in righteousness concerning the word. I don't believe that. Whenever the day comes that I think that I've arrived, you better seek out another church because you're in trouble. Because I'll be standing up here raising my hand saying, Oh God, I thank that I'm not as all of these other publicans. <laughs> That's not coming. I'll assure you ahead of time. Praise the Lord.